Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey, hey, Rockstar SLPs, we are on another episode of the Real Talk SLP podcast. I'm your host, Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy, and today we're going to be talking with Sydney from the Listening SLP. We're going to be chatting all about play therapy and just some tips for getting started, or if you're already doing play therapy, tips for how to do it with confidence, right? We want to feel confident when we're doing a certain approach in therapy. And I know that Sydney is all about doing play therapy, so I thought I'd have her come on the show. You're going to really enjoy it. She's always really practical and uh, has the best ideas. So before we jump into that interview, I just want to let you know about a free Bubbles toy guide that you can use with your students when using bubbles during play therapy or even just structured activities. Sometimes when I just remember many days when things were just completely overwhelming because we, you know, you know the deal. We have all these deadlines, paperwork, we have to plan for a wide variety of students and you just have some brain fog or it's lunch hour and then you have your your next group and you're just like, wait a minute, what's going on? What are we doing? If you've, if you've ever had that uh, problem like me, um, I, I love a good cheat sheet for that. So I have a free bubbles toy guide for you so that you don't have to worry about remembering all the targets for the different goals that you're serving in your mixed groups. So head to the show notes and make sure to click on the bubble download so you can have a bubble free bubble toy guide. Okay, let's jump into the interview with Sydney. You're going to love it. Hey, Sydney, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you come on and talk about play therapy. Thank you so much for having me. This is definitely one of my favorite topics. It's one of mine too. And I love all your reels where you talk about different ways to play with uh, toys and and just items around your house. So um, I'm excited to see what we what we come up with today in our combo about it. But before we dive in, I would love to know a little bit more about you and, you know, maybe your favorite area to treat, something fun about you, and a little bit about your journey as an SLP. Oh, yeah. I So much to share. <laughs> um, and so I have been a pediatric SLP for two going on three years. I started and did my CF in outpatient pediatrics in a hospital. And then I switched recently into private practice. And now I own my own private practice uh, where I'm doing teletherapy in home and in school in Virginia and North Carolina is where I practice. So that's kind of my clinical side of things. It always shocks people when I tell them that I did marching band for eight years. And people go, no way. But I really did. I was the band geek. I did four years um, in high school. I played flute. And then in college, I marched and did um, 
four years and I played low brass. I marched baritone. So that was super fun and great experience. Uh, it really kind of shaped a lot of like discipline that I needed to have in order to get all of my schoolwork done and then also be able to do extracurriculars. So that um, is a little bit about me. What what else did you ask? I forgot the other. <laughs> um, I think you covered it. I think you covered it. Uh, your favorite area to treat. Oh, yes. Okay. That's hard. So my favorite area is probably <laughs> uh, working with children with hearing loss. Um, children that are deaf and hard of hearing is definitely one. And then the second one would have to be working with kids that are dyslexic or have reading disorders. Awesome. Um, yeah, fun fact, I, I played the French horn in fifth and sixth grade, and then I was like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> My music teacher, the music teacher at our school was like, come on, you could do it. We have these free, you know, like, he's like, I need French horn. Um, so I did play some instruments, but that's really cool about the marching band. Did you go travel around a lot when you were in college and stuff with the, the band? So a little bit. Uh, what I loved about going to a big SEC school was when the team was good, we got really good trips. <laughs> so my first year, we did uh, one of the New Year Day Bowls and we got to go to Orlando for a couple of days while we were practicing and parading and all of that kind of stuff. But we got to go to like Universal and uh, eat at really nice restaurants. So it was nice. Uh, very lovely experience and highly recommend doing it again, especially if your team is good. If they're subpar, I don't know. But when they're good, it's, it's great. Uh, that's awesome. Um, all right. So we are going to be talking about play therapy today. And I always love to ask my guests to share a song lyric or a song that relates to the podcast topic. So, um, you know, what song comes to mind when you think about doing play therapy well that's a good one okay so I really love girls just want to have fun I think that that like always reminds me about play and just being lighthearted and keeping things energized but not too serious at times um and then right now, I think like everyone is obsessed with Encanto. And so I always like when I think about play, I just think about uh, we don't talk about Bruno and how they go. No, no, no. <laughs> Perfect way to get kids engaged. <laughs> I have not seen Encanto yet and it's on my list to do. And yeah, I'm probably like the last person that hasn't seen it. But um, I love that song about girls just want to have fun because I think sometimes we get so wrapped up into like addressing the goals that we got to make progress that we forget that we have kids who are really fun and like to have fun and and need their therapy to be meaningful for them and so that's perfect song choice um and so yeah let's jump in so i think there's many slps out there that love the idea of doing play therapy but they struggle with the concept of that there isn't a lot of you know it feels like play therapy feels like there's a lot of no structure kind of thing, you know, because you're following the child's lead or maybe you have a plan, but the child is not going with the plan for for play therapy. And so we kind of like our security blanket of keeping things structured and pre-planning and we're going to do this next. Um, and I think especially for the school SLP, 
we are pulled in so many di- directions. You know, a lot of times our day gets interrupted by so many different things that we, I, I think for me personally, I like to have the structure of like, no, this is what I'm planning. Um, so for the, speaking to these, you know, SLPs that maybe haven't dove in to doing play therapy, what are some of the benefits you have seen when implementing a play-based approach and therapy? That's an excellent question. I think the biggest benefit uh, is like you're meeting the kid kind of with their interests and where their interests are. And the really cool thing about play therapy that I think sometimes gets overlooked is that play can have structure to it. It doesn't have to be rigid structure, but there can be some type of structure with it. I know that you do a lot with themes and I love a good theme. And when I am thinking about a theme, I might pick four or five uh, play-based things that I might want to use with it. Where play can come in with that is you can allow the kid to kind of explore and use it in a way that maybe you aren't intending on using it, but you're allowing them to kind of explore. And then where an SLP can come in and really support that is you're going to feed off of what they're doing. So let's say that you, you know, planned on using the toy in which we put like the shape sorters in a bucket and, um, the kid is not doing that, right? Like they're not putting the objects in the bucket. Instead, they're wanting to put the bucket on their head. It's still the activity that you were had in mind. Your target just might be different. So instead of your language targets being um, in and out, it might be, oh, we put it on our head and take it off. Uh, so you might have to just switch it up a little bit, but it's more natural. And that's kind of what we uh, see even for parents at home. It's a really good way to model like when they are doing their play at home that's not necessarily structured, you can still get those language opportunities in there without it being that rigid kind of sit down, do these five task type sessions. Totally. I liked what you said about like if you're you're meeting their interests um, and then letting them explore, but having it, you know, a goal in mind. So if you know your goal in mind, you're able to pivot because if you know you're targeting basic concepts, you're still able to follow their lead. So I think that's a great point of just, you don't need to like throw out the toy. You just kind of got to pivot a little bit um, in therapy, which that's that's an awesome example. Um, so what types of strategies do you use to help a child work on their targeted speech or language goals? Like so that you're implementing their goals while also kind of allowing that flexibility in the session. Yeah, I love the biggest strategy that we can use that sometimes we don't use enough is parent coaching and really kind of teaching the parents in the moment as I'm doing things. I do a lot of explanation, especially my first initial sessions. I have the privilege of that, right? Because I work in private practice. And so my parents are with me most of the time. So we talk about narration Uh, and what that looks like functionally. You know, you don't have to narrate every activity, but think of like three things that you might do throughout your day that you want to narrate. So I do a lot of daily routines and therapy so that we can model that for families while we're in the moment. Lots of language expansion. That's great that we are finally getting one or two words. Let's go ahead and add variety in there. Recasting. Um, is one that I use a lot too, you know, taking a child, if they're giving me an utterance, it's not quite exactly how we might see it in English, kind of recasting that for them for grammatical purposes are 
things that I use a lot. And then imitation, you know, putting objects right next to my face or on my head or something silly and uh, really trying to get those imitations and reactions out of them. That's what I do. But I think even for school-based SLPs, when you may not have caregivers right there or caregiver interaction might be limited just due to circumstances, I think the biggest strategies that you can use are using your fellow um, coworkers, your teachers, your support staff as your collaborators. So you can talk to them if you have the time about some of the basic language strategies that you're using. And the cool thing about language strategies are is we use them across languages. So whether, you know, this is a ESL child that is going from um, in Spanish to English, or if this is a child that, you know, has really delayed spoken language, we can use those strategies, those same kind of basic strategies that we know evidence has shown to support language development. And you can do in services and teach your other um, people within your school about what those look like. So that way, everybody's kind of on the same board about what is going to help this child be successful. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, because whenever I hear parent coaching, you know, at school SLPs are like, what, you know, what am I supposed to do? It's the same concepts. It's just a different team and the parents part of that team, too. But if they're not able to get into the classroom and you have to do that over the phone, that's, you know, that's how we would parent coach. But in the classroom, the team is definitely the most valuable um, and making the time for teaching and coaching is definitely something that is a long-term benefit, right? We want to make better um, long-term gains for our students. So I love that you brought that strategy up. Um, just to recap the other strategies, you also said language expansion, recasting, conversation, um, imitation, and then that the parent coaching piece. And so I was curious, um, when you are parent coaching, do you model and then narrate and then allow them to try it? Or do you find parents feel on the spot when you do that? Or how do you approach it? I mean, I think that we need to like start with saying it's really unnatural to do this. It's very unnatural as an adult to simplify your language and to, you know, not use words that you normally would use or use uh, shorter phrases and sentences to convey a message because as you get older, right, like we talk in more complex syntax and we use more uh, grammatical structures. So what I like to do is to kind of keep those first two sessions or three sessions very hands off for parents. So I have them in the room where they're sitting at the table and then I do a lot of the leading and kind of modeling and narrating as I'm leading. Um, you know, I might do the activity three or four times or whatever the target is. And then I stop and I direct my attention to the parent and say, so what we're doing here is targeting X, Y, Z. This is how this is going to help your child, you know, accomplish their goal of whatever the goal is. Then after, like, I see the parent kind of getting a little bit more um, warmed up to that idea, you know, kind of coach them and say, like, why don't you try saying this and see how they do and then any time that a parent participates, even if it's not exactly, um, you know, what I was going for, I always commend them because they are doing their absolute best. And we, we learn a lot about child development as SLPs. I don't think we learn enough about how to interact with adult learners and parents in this situation are adult learners. So they need praise. They need, you know, accommodation just like kids do when they are 
doing their best because that's exactly what they're doing. And so it makes them feel supported and good when we are acknowledging like, hey, I see you're doing your best. This is perfect. Can we try and tweak this? Let me know how that goes. It develops a really healthy relationship between the practitioner and the parent when you acknowledge their strength. Yes, I love that. So you like to model for them. And then as they get comfortable, you per- you have them participate a little bit and then you give them praise, which um, is a great little kind of framework or formula to use if you're feeling a little uncomfortable at first doing it. Because it is hard, even as a clinician, to be telling a parent what to do with their child when you're kind of like, they know their kid well. And <laughs> it's just one of those, you know, difficult things sometimes. I think I get uncomfortable, like, well, what do you want? Or if the parent doesn't necessarily want to buy into what we're talking about, um, it can be kind of tricky. So I think starting small and praising them for participating is a great um, strategy and then building from there. Um, just, just, I have a little side note question that I was going to ask you because I know you said you really love doing daily routines. So do you have any favorite toys that you like to incorporate play using, you know, that's related to daily routines? Because I think that's a great area to target play therapy. Yeah. Fisher Price is the best. <laughs> Fisher Price little people. They have so many sets that I have found and I um, have like put them in my Amazon storefront, but they have like they group things together. So they have one for like the bathroom and it and it comes with a bath, a towel, a mat um, and a, a potty. And then they have one for like outside playground and it has a swing and a stroller and, you know, bedtime routines. They have um, even one for a nursery that includes like a, you know, a fake changing table and things that you might find in a kid's playroom. So I have found uh, by far that they have probably some of the best things that I have and it's hard plastic and generally they're not terribly expensive for each one and it comes with like a little purse like one of the little people with it so that always um makes it better you get to keep growing that collection (laughs) no I love it I'm gonna have to go check them out um because I'm a toy fanatic I have found I really found some sets that I love for learning resources with like for play food um that aren't too expensive Mostly what I've gotten them for is um, play food. Because I feel like if you have a good set of play food, you can do all sorts of daily routines, washing the dishes, setting the table, making dinner, breakfast. So that can Yeah, learning resources is like the bomb. I mean, they have like the pots and the pans and like even an oven mitt that comes with one of their sets. So they have uh, they have a ton of stuff, too. There's, there's always stuff out there. <laughs> if you Google, I'm sure you will find plenty of things. Cool. Um, what's your, have you bought any Fisher Price sets? Like, is there one that's, that you're like, this is the best one or you kind of like love them all? I kind of love them all, but I will <laughs> say that I have used, um, I've used my bathroom one the most and I can't think of the exact name, but the one that comes with the bathtub and then like the potty, if you put like the, the oh person gosh. on the potty like it does something in the toilet and so kids love that and then you can pretend to flush by like pulling the lid down so that one has gotten used a ton because they're like oh my goodness <laughs> okay i'm gonna have to find it and i'll put it in the show notes if people want to get it because that sounds like 
Actually, my daughter would probably love it, especially if you work with preschool age kids going potty and going by yourself. Big deal. And it's a topic of conversation um, for sure in my house. Um, all right. So, yeah, sorry for that. Let's transition back. OK, so what final tips can you share about how to plan a play therapy session for us? Like what how can SLPs get more confident with planning play therapy? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is to look around your house and find things that um, your own kids have played with or things that you've played with when you were a child and just kind of take the pressure off yourself. It doesn't have to be super structured. Pick like four or five activities and just kind of go with the flow with it. If you have the opportunity to kind of ask the family what their child might be interested in, I always highly recommend learning about specific interests of that child. Um, and then if there's any opportunity for you to collaborate within the school, kind of see if you can figure out what they're learning about in the classroom. And then you can always pull in toys and activities that uh, directly relate back to academic concepts. Awesome. Love it. So look around the house because you might have stuff that you you can borrow from your children or just even everyday items that, um, you know things from your kitchen especially if you're doing like a play pretend play cooking um you know talking with family and collaborating with staff so you know what the kids are learning in the classroom that's just a recap of those tips so I love that um yeah thanks Sydney for coming on the podcast and I would love it if you could share where people could connect with you more and um you know your your Instagram handle, all that good stuff. Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, people can find me at the listening SLP on all social media channels, or you can send me an email at hello at the listening SLP.com. Awesome. Yeah. And if you're in the North Carolina area, you could hire Cynthia as a, as your next private practice clinician, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> you could. <laughs> what do you have a website or? Yeah, if you go to um, www.thelisteningslp.com, all information about my private practice is on there as well. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, this was another great episode talking about play therapy. Um, please check it out. You can leave a, a rating on the show, it, what you like, what you don't like. Um, I, I always appreciate everyone that's listening. So have a great week and remember to be the SLP that every kid wants to see and stay inspired. Talk with you next week. Uh.